you know, during worship, I felt the Lord tell me to tell you that he is the vindicator and he will vindicate. And that, that may seem funny, but the enemy is strategic. We have to understand that. I know we know that, you know, in our minds, we know the enemy is strategic, right? We know he can, he can do things at particular times that can be particularly frustrating or whatever. He's strategic in his timing. Well, he's also strategic in his attacks. And when you take a stand for him, when you put your, you set your feet on a path to serve God, then you are a target. You become a greater target, right? And that's what has happened with ignition. We have become a target because of what God wants to do with each one of us, right? But I want you to understand, you don't have to be afraid of being a target. There, there is no fear in being a target. And that fear comes through Satan's strategy. When you stand, you stand in strength. When you stand, you stand in authority. This morning, it, it just made me so angry. That's why I stepped out for a minute, because... I had to go into the to to the garage to just go before the court. Can you go before the court in anger? <laughs> I don't know. It was righteous indignation. We'll call it that. How's that? Because of what the enemy's strategy was. Okay, and most of you probably know. You know, salsa passed away this morning. Okay, it, it's not a surprise that salsa passed away. We, we've been waiting for that, right? I mean, she's, she's, uh, she's been with us a long time. However, the timing, the timing is what got my attention. The timing of Anissa getting hit in the head, getting in a concussion, that got my attention. You know, it's the timing that is the strategy of the enemy. And how you go against that is becoming aware of what he's doing. That's, that's actually what we're talking about in this series, right? This series is about putting on the armor of God for what? To know the schemes of the enemy. What are the schemes? Well, we know, we know he does bad. Part of the schemes are to know his timing, to know his strategies, not against God, because he can't touch God. His strategies against you, against me, against Ignition Church. See, we can know those things. We can know because the Bible says we can know. We have to put on this armor in order to know. And so that, that's what we've been talking about. And really, really, it's an incredible study. And you do this, you know, really, you want to look at this from a couple different angles. Like two years ago, we did this series, and it was... It was defensive in nature. You put on the armor for defense. You know, if the enemy's coming after you, you want a shield. You want your armor on so if he delivers a blow, it's not going to affect. 
or it's not going to kill, right? But armor is not just defensive, and that's what we've been talking about this time around. Armor is an offensive tool to go against the enemy. See, that's what I did in the, in the garage. That's what I did in the garage, going before the court of heaven, going before there and asking for vindication, asking that the enemy's strategies be revealed. See, because he hides them in darkness. He hides them in darkness where we can't see. But you know what? You, you know how you see in darkness? Flip on the light. You flip on the light. There is nowhere, understand this, you, you've heard that there's nowhere you can hide from God. Okay, you know that, right? But do you believe there's nowhere Satan can hide from God? There's nowhere that he can hide in, in all his plans. There's nowhere that he can hide the destroyer anywhere that God cannot shed light on. Okay, I, I know this. I believe this. I've experienced this. You've got to believe in your own life. There is nowhere, no deep-seated, reseated area in your life that Satan can go that God cannot turn a light on. And shed light to the enemy's strategies. So that, that's what we're talking about this morning. And, and this morning we're on the shoes of peace. I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Am I too loud? By the way, anytime you see me wear a sweater up here next time, I want you to smack me. I give you permission to smack me upside the head because it is hot up here. <laughs> <laughs> it's really hot up here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk outside and freeze because I've been hot, hot here. But I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 6. And we're going to just begin in verse 10. We're going to read through this first part again and get up to where it talks about the shoes of peace. So let's start. Before I start, let me pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we worship you. We worship you and praise you because you are worthy of our praise. You are worthy of our worship. And Father, we stand before you with open hearts, with open minds, to receive exactly what you have for us. Lord, we ask that you reveal, as we take on your armor, as we take on the shoes of peace this morning, reveal the plans and the strategies of the enemy, so that we might see where you want us to walk. To avoid the very distractions that the enemy wants to put in place for us. Father, I pray that every word out of my mouth is yours and none of my own. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's start with verse 10 of chapter 6, Ephesians. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole, and, and by the way, all through Ephesians, you know, uh, Paul is talking about how to live the Christian life, right? How to have victory, how to, how to put a church together with the giftings, the fivefold ministry, all that he's talked about in the first five chapters. Okay, then he's coming in here and saying, finally, be strong in what you've been taught. Be strong in the Lord, in the strength of his might, not your own. By doing this, you have to put on, verse 11, put on the whole armor of God, the entire suit, that you may be able to stand against the what? Schemes. 
of the devil. You'll be able to stand against the very strategies of the enemy. Verse 12, For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. I want to encourage you for verse 12. It's important. If you haven't heard it, listen to the introduction to this series. Because I go in and I explain what verse 12 means. Okay, verse 12 is talking about the three areas where Satan fights. Right? He fights in the second heaven. He fights with, with, within the third heaven. He goes before the, the throne of God. But then he also fights the cosmic powers, him, fighting in this present darkness. This present darkness, you look in Revelation Chapter 3, this present darkness is the world, is where we are right now. He fights us right here. If any of you do not believe that Satan fights you, then let's go have lunch. <laughs> and let's talk. Okay, because he fights us in this world. He fights us here. That's what it's talking about in verse 12. So therefore, verse 13, take up the whole armor of God. Said that twice. Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, verse 14, then stand. Once you have done everything you can to stand, then stand. Don't prepare yourself and then walk away. Do you see what I'm saying? He is building you as a warrior when you're trained as a warrior there's a point where you fight. There's a point where you stand. There's a point where you do not take what the enemy is throwing at you, but you allow God to use you as a warrior against it. So he's saying here, once you've put all this on, once you've prepared yourself to fight, once you've prepared yourself to stand your ground, then stand. Then do it. Do it. Do what you've been prepared for. Do what you've been called to do. Stand, therefore. And then he goes into explaining the different pieces of armor. Okay? I want you to understand the cutoff there. Okay? He's saying, in the first part, he's saying, here's why you do all this. And then he says, when you've done all this, stand and use it. Now let me explain each piece that you're putting on. That's kind of how this passage is laid out, right? And stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. We talked about that, about the word of God surrounding your life. The word of God just completely enveloping you because there's power in that. And that has to be the first piece you put on. If you don't believe in or understand the word of truth, you're not going to be able to use the rest of the armor. It won't ever make sense to you. You won't understand it, right? So the word of truth or this belt of truth has to be put on first. You have to let the Lord teach you the truth of his word. And, and once you've done that, you put on this breastplate of righteousness. That's what we talked about last week. This righteousness, now righteousness comes twofold. Righteousness comes in a defensive manner, when we are saved, we are made righteous through Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible says. If you don't believe me, go pull up the podcast of last week. Listen to it. 
All right? When we get saved, we are cleansed in the blood of Jesus Christ when we've accepted him as Savior, and we have taken on literally his righteousness. But that's for a single purpose. That's for the single purpose of justifying our sin, of salvation. When we accept Jesus Christ, the Father looks at us through a Jesus filter. He doesn't look at us directly. When we've accepted Jesus Christ, he puts on that Jesus filter, and he sees us as clean. Now, it's important to understand, does that make us righteous? Does that make us sinless? No, of course not. We sin every day. We sin all the time. We have the capability to sin even after we've accepted Jesus Christ into our heart. Does that change how the Father sees us? Not at all. He sees us through a Jesus filter. And Jesus filter is perfect. Any of you photographers? Two, three, four, five, a couple of us? You put on a different filter on your camera, it will make the whole look of that picture different. So that's what I mean by a filter. See, when we accept Jesus Christ into our heart, he, he screws onto this lens, a Jesus filter, and all of a sudden we look different from the Father's perspective. That never changes. Why? Because Jesus never changes. He, he said on the cross, it's finished, it's done, it's complete. It will never change how the Father looks at you. Okay, so then what's this righteousness that we're supposed to walk in? Why are we supposed to walk in obedience then if the Father already sees us as righteous? Well, if you want to know the answer to that, pull up the podcast that deals, deals with, yeah, sorry. Plenty of podcasts you can pull up. But bottom line, it's because of our sanctification. It is because of our walk with Jesus Christ. The Father will always see us as righteous. But Jesus Christ, he knows who we are. We have a relationship with the Father through him, but he, he, knows, he knows our weaknesses. He knows our deficiencies. That's why you could go to him, and, and he, he loves you. He's there to help you. So the righteousness that we put around our, to guard our heart is the obedience that we give Jesus Christ. And we went over that last week. If you want to learn more about that podcast from last week. <laughs> Sorry, this is not a sales pitch. But it's important to grasp. It's important to understand. We put on his righteousness defensively. You better put on your righteousness, your obedience, offensively. See, if you're being attacked and you're going on the offense to go before the court and say, Lord, he has no right to attack me, then you are coming with obedience. Obedience is righteousness. And that righteousness is what protects our heart protects all the vital organs, protects what is important in our body. And then verse 15 this week. And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Readiness given by the gospel of peace. What is the gospel of peace? What does it mean? Whatever it is, it's supposed to make us ready. 
right? Whatever this gospel of peace is, it's supposed to be able to prepare us to be ready to go somewhere. Because when you have shoes on, the shoes go over your feet, what? To protect. Protect your feet. Try walking out in the snow without shoes on. (laughs) You need protection for your feet. But what he's saying with these shoes is saying, this will make you ready, ready to go out. I want you to turn back. Same book, just Ephesians chapter 2. Go back a couple of chapters. And we want to understand what this gospel of peace is. Ephesians chapter 2, let's begin in verse 14. It says, For he himself, this is talking about Jesus Christ, he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. What he's, by the way, what Paul's talking about here is the difference between Old Testament and New Testament. He's talking about the law versus grace. He's talking about how Jesus came to fulfill the law and complete the law. And by doing that, what he did is he brought a unity. He he didn't make the law obsolete. He fulfilled the law. He brought a unity of the law and grace so that we could accept him without having to complete the law because no, no person was able to do that. Only Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as a man, was able to do that. Right? So, uh, verse 15. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. If you want to know what those are, turn to Leviticus. There's tons of them in there. That he might create in himself one new man in place of two. So making peace. And might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross. Thereby killing this hostility. See, this was the beginning of peace. What Jesus Christ did on the cross was the very thing that brought peace to mankind. Because before that point, there was striving. Before that point, there was obedience to the law. Before that point, it was what you saw in the Pharisees produced the worst of what the law was. Right? Jesus came and fulfilled all that. Jesus came and fulfilled it to what? To bring peace. He brought peace to us. And he brought the possibility of peace. So what is the gospel of peace? It is Jesus Christ. It is Jesus Christ. And we're given peace when we're justified. Remember I said at the point of salvation, we are given uh, the righteousness, but we're also given peace. I want you to turn to Romans chapter 5. It's important to see this. We're going to turn to a bunch of different places this morning. Romans chapter 5, verse 1, remember, we're given peace when we're justified. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, in other words, we have accepted Jesus Christ into our heart, we have what? We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So because God, because Jesus came down on the cross for our sins to give us peace, when we accept him as Savior, we receive that peace. We receive the peace that he came to give. Right Now, don't correlate this with peace in your life. It's different. Don't, don't assume, well, okay, I must not be saved because I certainly don't have peace in my life. Okay, that's not what he's talking about. Praise the Lord. 
just like righteousness, you have two phases, if you will, of peace. You have a peace that you receive in the Spirit. Okay, when you accept Jesus Christ, just like you are given the righteousness of Christ, you are given the peace of Christ. You are at peace with the Father. You are at peace with God. He does not have aught against you. He has nothing against you. You are at peace with him. Upon salvation, you are at peace with God. Does that make sense? However, does that mean there's peace in our lives? Does that mean we live day to day at peace? Now, let's keep reading here. Because there is an access to a greater peace that we can have. Verse 2. Through him, we also have obtained access. Okay, access to what? Access to peace. Access to more peace. What? By faith. Into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. See, what he's laying out here is the diagram of sanctification. He's laying out a plan for our lives to come to a point where we have relationship, close relationship with Jesus Christ. He said it it begins by obtaining a faith that will give you more peace. See, you're not given all the peace in the world when you get saved. You are given a portion, just like you're given a portion of righteousness. You're given a portion that makes you clean before the Father. You're given a peace between you and the Father. But there is more peace to get a hold of. That, that's why we have sanctification. That's why we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Anyone in here that has a close relationship with Jesus Christ understands the fact that when we develop that relationship, we get closer and closer to him. We have a greater peace in our life. Right? I don't know about you, but as I draw closer to the Lord, I have a greater peace. Why? Because he changes how I think. He changes how I, how I just sift through strategies. He, he, he changes how I see things coming at me, right? That comes from a faith that's built in drawing close to Jesus Christ and in building a relationship with him. So because of that peace, we can access faith. It says right there in verse 2, we can access faith to gain more peace. Do you have peace in your life? Or are you struggling? Do you have peace with decisions? Or are you struggling with it? See, God's plan is for you to have peace. So if we're struggling with something, especially constantly... I don't, mean, I don't mean that we never struggle because part of faith and part of faith building is that we will struggle. We will have a point where, you know, okay, I don't know if I was supposed to do that or not, or I don't know if I am supposed to do that or not. You know, what does that mean, Lord? I don't know. 
Okay, but that has nothing to do with peace. Understand that I cannot know exactly what the Lord wants me to do, but I could be at perfect peace. Well, Lord, until you tell me, I'm just not going to, I can't do anything, so I'm not going to do anything. I will be at peace. We can choose to be at peace by letting him, through faith, build that peace inside of us. I want you to turn to Romans 8, just a few chapters down. Or over, depending on how you do it there. Romans chapter 8. Continual peace is from setting our mind on the Holy Spirit. Continue, listen to me. Continual peace means you're setting your mind on things above. You're setting your mind on the Holy Spirit and how he can work through you. Let's read beginning at verse 5. We'll read 5 and 6. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Now, by the way, that Spirit there, you notice it's capitalized. You look up the Greek to it. This, this is the Holy Spirit. This isn't just the Spirit realm. Like, set your eyes on the Spirit realm. That's not what it's saying. It's saying, set your eyes on the Spirit. On the Holy Spirit. Set your eyes on Him. Set your eyes on Him. Because we have a relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ, but it's facilitated by the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? The Holy Spirit is what makes the movement possible. What makes the relationship possible. So we have our eyes on the Holy Spirit. Verse 6, for to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. You want peace? You got to be careful where your eyes are. You want peace? You got to be careful what you're looking at. You got to be careful what you're taking in as truth. See, that's the very place that the enemy fights us. He tries to get us to believe truth that is not truth. And I'm not talking about the Word of God. Okay? It's easy to say, well, no, no, I believe in this truth right here. Okay, but how about the truth of, well, you shouldn't do this or should do this, perhaps in the plan of God. Well, I, I can, man, I wish I could look in, in a book and see, this is what Greg's supposed to do right now, the Lord says. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? Okay, but the the bottom line is Satan, he has strategies to make you believe something else. He has strategies to keep you from believing that you're supposed to go a direction that the Lord has told you to go. That's why it says here, if you set your mind on the Holy Spirit, it brings life and it brings peace. It brings a knowing that this is what I'm supposed to do. I knew when we started this church, it wasn't a question in my mind. Well, Lord, we'll, we'll just do it. I, I'm kind of thinking we're supposed to do it, and maybe we'll do it. And, and, you know, at some point you'll let me know that that's what we're supposed to do. That's kind of crazy, isn't it? I, I don't know why anybody would make a life change with that kind of thought process or that kind of attitude. 
No, I knew this is what we were supposed to do. I had a peace in my heart. That, that's why when we started to do it, when we closed down the business and we started to do, live in this ridiculous faith place, it wasn't scary. Because I had peace. See, I didn't have peace of what I would go through. Think of the disciples. Oh my goodness. Think of the disciples. Even better yet, think of Paul. Paul spent 14 years preparing for ministry after the Damascus Road. You know what one of the things that he was prepared for, that God, read it in Acts, what God did to prepare him, he said, he he sent Ananias to tell him, he said, I'm going to tell him all the things that I'm about to do. Okay, that wasn't just the good stuff. Why? Because the Bible says, I will tell him all things that he has to endure. So he spent time telling Paul, you're going to be shipwrecked. You're going to be beaten. You're going to be stoned and left for dead. You're going to be imprisoned. You're going to be all these things, and I'm preparing you, I'm telling you all these things. So you ever wonder, after hearing all that, why Paul went? Because he had peace. He didn't care. See, because God had given him peace through faith, because Jesus said, here's why. Here's what I'm doing in your life. Because, see, there's going to be a group of people in 2017 that are going to be sitting in the living room, and they're going to be learning from your life. Okay, do you get that? He was telling Paul, the reaction of the people will be ongoing of your testimony. See, to Paul, it didn't matter about this life. Because he was shown a piece of what it was going to be like with Jesus Christ. He was at peace with that. He was at peace with whatever happened on this, in this life. It didn't matter to him. Oh, if we could just get that perspective. It doesn't mean we don't love this life. It doesn't mean we don't enjoy what we're doing here and have relationships here. Of course we do. That's part of what God does. That's what he loves. We do that. But it's about trusting him to do what he wants and that that is the best. See, from human standpoint, it doesn't mean that's the best. From a human standpoint, you look at Paul's life and you think, wow, that's a failure. I mean, he had to go through so much. And, and, and to top it all off, at the end, he gets martyred. You know, so he lives this rough life, difficult life. I mean, seriously, read it. I, I, can't, I can't think of a, except for his relationships, I can't think of a single good thing he got to enjoy. I mean, Really? Think about it. Now, I'm sure there were. I'm sure there were. You know, if he played golf, he probably had a few of those. Right? I'm sure he had things he enjoyed. It, but, but bottom line is there was trial after trial after trial, but he had peace. He had peace in his heart because he was working for something so much bigger. So, and and that, that relationship that he had with Jesus Christ had brought the peace in his life to be able to do what he did. He, he knew. Just like we knew, we had to 
be obedient in starting this church and doing what we're supposed to do. We have to have that peace to be able to do that. And, and by the way, i got to show you this. Turn to Philippians. You all know these verses. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. It, peace doesn't always make sense. Okay, when you face life, peace will not always make sense. It's like, how in the world could I even have peace when the enemy is swirling all around me, right? Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7 says this. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And when we do that, when we let him know what's going on, we're, we have this prayer life that is in conjunction and in synchronicity with him, Verse 7 is applied. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So what he's saying here is, is if you stay in relationship with me and you draw close to me, I'm going to give you a peace that doesn't make sense. See, I'm going to give you a peace when you walk, Paul, when you walk into that prison and you're beaten, I'm going to give you a peace that you're in my hands. I'm going to give you a peace that I have a plan for this. And it isn't just Satan's plan. He gives us a peace that doesn't make sense. He gives us a peace in our own lives. You know, when you step out in obedience to God, and you step out without peace, that's a scary place to be. See, you'll waffle back and forth. Was I supposed to do that or was I not supposed to do that? And you may not know that answer. But if you step out and you have the peace of God, you still may not know the answer of what you're supposed to do, but you will have a peace. Like, And, and I'll, I'll give you an example. What Alexis is going through right now with the ladies' conference See, the Father has given her very little to go on. He just wants her to have faith. She has stepped out and said, Okay, Lord, yes. Yes, I know, what, I know that you want me to do this, and you've given me nothing else to do it with. So see, peace is available to her to know, even though she doesn't know what's going on, it's in his hands. I always use the phrase, and Alex and I talk about this all the time. I always say, put it on him. Because he tells you to. He says, my shoulders are broad. I could take your burden. He said, you take my burden. It's light. I'll take your burden. So let's take him up on that. I know for a fact, Lord, that you have told me to do this. Here, here's my evidence of why I believe you told me to do this. So now I place it on you. Ball's in your court, Lord, because that's where I want it to be. And then you have this peace that it's on him, and he wants it there, because that's also faith. Not only are we building our peace, but we're building our faith. Remember what it said? He said, by faith, you can access peace. They go hand in hand, and it's almost like levels building upon each other. 
The more faith you build in Jesus Christ and how he works in your life, the more peace you will have in your life. You know, you can imagine the the disciples going to their death. Imagine doing that and being fully at peace. Peter, when he went to his death, he was fully at peace. In fact, he was excited. Imagine that. Imagine being excited. You know, it, I think of Paul when, before Paul went to Jerusalem, it, it was uh, it was prophesied that he was going to be tied up and bound and beaten and killed. And all the disciples are, all the apostles are like, "Don't, don't go, don't go, don't go." And he's like, "Of course, I gotta go." But I can imagine him thinking in his mind, "Are you kidding me? I am months away from heaven." You're going to keep me from that? See, because his mind wasn't here. His mind was in heaven. His mind was with Jesus Christ. But he had a job to do here. That's, That's where we're at. That's where our relationship is supposed to be. And we can access the peace that really brings that paradigm into perspective. Really gets us to understand what that paradigm really is. You cannot have that paradigm in life that we really live for the, for the next life. You can't have that paradigm without peace. You just can't. It's, it's impossible. Peace is what brings on that paradigm. So why in the world then, if, 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 as Paul's laying this out, why in the world? Go back to Ephesians 6 again. You don't even need to go there. I'll just read it real quick because we, we, we did it before. But Ephesians 6 verse 12, I mean verse 15 says, And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Why does Paul here use that piece of armor for our peace? Right? It's that the, shoe, the gospel of peace are as shoes for our feet. They make us ready And I'm going to encourage you that you cannot move through the battlefield. You can't move through life without shoes, right? I mean, you can sometimes. It's awesome in the summertime, you know, get out there in the grass with your feet. But you start going down a rock road, it's going to be a little tough. You start getting out there when there's snow on the ground, yeah, it's going to be a little tough. Right? The shoes for your feet are to protect your walk. They're to allow you to go places you wouldn't normally go. See, if you had to, had to just have bare feet all the time, you would never leave, except for in the most pristine times that would not hurt your feet. That doesn't work for a Christian. That doesn't work for a warrior. That doesn't work for what you're called to do. See, a warrior has to be ready to go no matter what. You know, I think of, uh, of what's his name, um, George Washington. You know, one of the biggest problems they had before they, they crossed the Delaware River was many of them did not have shoes or had inadequate shoes. And because of that, they, they were just falling apart. See, your shoes protect your feet, which allow you to move allow you to go where God wants you to go. And I want to I kind of correlate, correlate that with peace. 
See, in your life, when God tells you to do something, what allows you to go? It's peace. It's peace in knowing that he's the one saying it. I know if God is the one telling me to do this, there is nothing that will stop me from doing it. Nothing. If I am walking literally into death, but I know that's what God wanted me to do, at peace. Just like Daniel. He had peace walking into the lion's den. You have to. You have to have peace going where where God wants you to go. Why? Because Satan's going to put all these obstacles in your way. Well, look at that lion. Dude, he's huge. You know, see, if Daniel started focusing on the lion, what was his answer to that? God will close its mouth. See, he had a peace that that's what he was, that God would just have his way. He didn't know the outcome, by the way. Understand that? We don't always know the outcome. When we step out for Christ, we step out in obedience. It's actually kind of rare that we know the immediate outcome anyways. We step out in faith, knowing no matter which way it goes, no matter what happens, no matter if I'm ridiculed or if I'm lifted up, it doesn't matter because I know I'm supposed to do it. And I step in faith. I have that peace. That peace is what allows us to follow God's plan. That peace is so important. There must be peace with every movement that we make in God. Every movement. Hannah, I think of Hannah coming up here. You know, Hannah moved up here with, with no, she didn't, I mean, know any of us. She knew, knew us, knew a few of us online. She had met Brooke for, I think, a weekend or whatever it was, and then built this relationship online for the last year. She didn't know us. See, she couldn't move up here knowing it was God's will if she did not have a piece about it. That peace is what allowed her to see that that was God's will. And just in obedience to him. So she did it. Now, does that mean we're not attacked for it? Oh, my goodness, no. Understand that the enemy, the second we take steps for the Lord, the enemy's going to be right there. Why? Because he does see our book. He does see the end game. He does see what's planned. See, I think of Carson all the time about this. See, the enemy knows Carson's book. He knows what's planned for Carson. He knows of the very catalyst that Carson's healing is going to be and that first domino that's going to be tipped over. He knows these things, so what's he going to do? His strategies are to go after that, to stop that, to discourage us from praying for that. So we put on our armor. We don't just put on our armor to defend ourselves, but we put on our armor to go after the enemy that is going after Carson's book. See, that's called intercession. We intercede for people. That's why we put on offensive armor. That's why our armor is not just to defend ourselves. It's to go after the enemy who would go after those we love. And they're those who Jesus Christ loves. Right? So this peace, every move that we make, 
There must be a peace that we feel. And when we feel that peace, go hard. Go hard with everything you believe. Go hard. Do not let the enemy deter you in any way. Because I'll tell you what, it scares him to death. I can tell you that from personal experience. He is afraid when a Christian is at peace. He is afraid. Because that fear that he wants to instill on on you, to bring you out of peace, when you reject that, when you have this peace that bounces that off of you, it will cling to him. Hey, remember that nursery rhyme? What was that? I don't even remember anything that clings up. Yeah, I'm rubber, you're glue. That, uh, yeah, bounce off me and six to you. Nah, 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 Satan. Right? You want to have that fear bounce off you and get back to him, you better have the peace to know exactly that you are where Jesus wants you to be. And when you have that peace, ooh, he's Satan's scared. He's scared of that. He's scared because that's a confidence he can't deal with. Why? Because it's wrapped in love. He doesn't know how to fight against that. He doesn't know how to defend against that. He just gets confused. And don't believe that he can't be on the run because he is on the run right now. I can tell you that. I won't go down that rabbit trail right now, but he is on the run. We have to have peace. We have to have peace with every step that we take. And when we have that peace, that peace will crush evil. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians. No, I'm sorry. Romans 16. My bad. Romans 16, verse 20. Says this. The God of peace, remember who we're talking about, the God of peace will what? Will soon crush Satan under your feet. Okay, now, he's not talking about under Jesus' feet here. See, because Jesus is the one crushing. Jesus is the God of peace. He's talking about you. He's saying, will soon crush Satan. This, this peace, this peace of God will soon crush Satan under your feet. So do you understand? You have the capability to have Satan crushed under your feet, and it happens through peace. It happens when we just believe that God has this for us. We take that step of faith, and we stay in that peace of God. We don't allow Satan to, to try and try and bring fear into our lives or anything else. We stay in that peace. And what God does is God shoves Satan under our feet. And he becomes crushed. Because we crush him? No. Why? Because God's working through us. See, we can't do anything on our own. But do you know that my foot is powerful when it's operated by God? It's powerful to crush snakes, scorpions, right? It's, it's powerful to crush the enemy if God is pressing down through my foot. See, you see what I'm saying? It's important to understand that, that, that it's that very peace will crush the enemy. 
because it keeps fear away. That's, it's, it's also important to understand that, that peace is not just to protect us. Peace is to go on the offense to the enemy. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, verse 13. Peace is something that we can give away or we could take back. So see, it can be used as a weapon. Do you understand what I mean by that? Our peace is something that we can use as a weapon by leaving with someone else or taking it away from someone else. If you don't believe me, let's read this verse. Verse 13. And if the house is worthy, this is when the disciples went out two by two. He said, if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. See, it can be used to intercede for others. Right? We intercede for Carson. We intercede for Mineta. We intercede for Angela. We intercede for these people. We can literally place our peace through our prayers upon them. That's important to understand. You are not just a bystander in this world. You are a warrior and you're called to war. That's called to intercession. War is not always stepping outside and swinging a sword. You want to swing the best sword. It's on your knees. You go before the courts. You go where the real decision is made, where the real power is, and that's in intercession. That's why Tuesday nights are so critical to Ignition Church. It's the heartbeat of who we are. It's because we pray. We go before the Lord. That's why we do it every night at 8.30 on the call. I want to encourage you to get on the call. Even if you can only do it once a week, get on the call. That's where you intercede for others. We're interceding for our government. We're literally interceding to place our peace into what we're praying for. That's huge. And you see, we've, even, we've been doing it 50 days now, right? Or 50, 52 days? 52 days out of 100 so far. And we have seen so many answers to prayer already. I mean, it, it, it almost got to a point where, where we'd pray and we'd see something happen. Why don't we believe that? Man, I believe that. Why? Because we're placing our peace, our trust into that intercession. So that is so important. We can leave our peace or take our peace back. Last, last place. I want you to turn to Isaiah. Because this, and, and we're going to close with this. But as warriors, this is so important to understand today. You do not live your life for you. Okay, when you accepted Jesus Christ into your heart, you were bought with a price. You were bought with a price of his blood, of his life. And he had a plan, right? Went into effect right then. That plan he had before you were born. But that plan went into effect the second you accepted Jesus Christ as Savior. That plan was to build you up, to bring peace into your life. But then 
as you're prepared, send you out as a warrior. You're not, you're not supposed to be just in and of yourself. Okay, and that, that's what this is talking about. Isaiah 52, verse 7. And we'll, we'll read. It says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, Your God reigns. What he's saying there is, How beautiful is the person who brings peace to influential areas. We've talked about the seven mountains. We've talked about the seven mountains of influence in the world, right? How beautiful is the Christian that allows God to take them to those mountains to have influence in those mountains. That's what we're praying for with the government. We pray that, that God will put people in place that love him, that have relationship with him, that will have influence on that mountain. Right? So how beautiful are the feet of those? And, and we won't turn to it, but, it, but it's quoted in the New Testament. He says, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel. How beautiful are those who step out in faith, in perfect peace, to let God do through them whatever he wants. That's beautiful. It's incredible. God can use that, and he does use it. It's extraordinary. Even more than that is when you get a group. When you get a group of people that all feel that way, change the world. It'll change the world. And see, that's, that's what he's beginning to do in his bride right now. He's beginning to give them faith to understand that if you have my peace, you could step wherever I need you to step. So we want to take on the shoes of peace. And you have to do that before any step you take of God. Make sense? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we worship you. We praise you, Lord, and we thank you. You are almighty God, and we just look forward to one day being with you. But God, I pray, Lord, that as you prepare us as warriors... You teach us how to, through faith, take on these shoes of peace. That peace that doesn't make sense. That peace that, that overwhelms us no matter what is swirling around us. Whether it be fear, pain, whatever Satan wants to throw at us, we can have perfect peace inside of that storm. Because that storm is where change is made. That storm is where world influence is changed. We can't see change in this world without walking into the storm. And Father, if you're calling us into the storm, 
then we pray for the peace that goes along with it. Just as Paul went into his ministry knowing what was going to happen, knowing how it would end and knowing what he would deal with. Oftentimes going into a new city, he knew what he was going to deal with in that city. But yet he went. I pray that you show us that peace as you call us into cities, as you call us into nations, as you call us just to trust you. We love you so much, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. That was... um this on. I, uh, I was thinking about how fitting this was, as he mentioned, based on the dilemma that I've been in with my with the ladies' retreat. And I thought, wow, this is this is a week for this particular subject. Um, two things that I know Satan tries to rob us of more than anything else, and that is our the love, knowing that we're loved, and then our peace. And um, what a fitting message. Um, I missed last week's so was, was able to watch online, so I got a chance to kind of see what people um, experience on the Facebook Live, and that was really great. Um, the, the thing that I wanted to mention as it pertains to both the announcement and the message is that um, the thought of the trials, you know, a lot of people say, well, if it's that hard, if, if you're going to, if, if when you step out, you're a target, and if you're going to do these things, you're, it's just going to be hard for you, then why step out at all? Why do it? And even as it pertains to the ladies' retreat, um, you know, people might say, well, if you're going through all this and he's not telling you anything, have you considered that he doesn't want you to do it? Well, that's really the interesting thing that, that when he reiterated the point, when you know that God wants you to do something, we will justify, when we come up against barriers, we'll justify the fact that maybe God didn't ever tell us to do it in the first place. And uh, I've seen that, you know, that is a a reality of how the enemy gets us to quit in our lives, even in marriages. People have a struggle in their marriage. They're like, oh, I never should have gotten married in the first place. I, you know, I never, this never should have happened. Or, so instead of staying in something that they've committed to, it becomes something that, that we, you know, we fall away. And believe me, I have tried to, as I wrestled with the Lord on this ladies thing, I've been like, Lord, at this point, I don't even want to have it. Will you let me out of it? Because I don't like not knowing anything. And, um, but the problem, if not going forward, yes, when we go forward, we'll have the shoes of peace, but, and, and yes, when we go forward, we'll have the trials. I meant to say, um, that's true. But we also, when we have obedience, we bring blessing. See, because if you don't step forward, if you don't step into it, you may think you won't get the trial, but that lack of obedience will bring on a trial of its own. It'll bring out authority for the enemy to come in and mess with your life. So it's never a good idea to just say, well, I always hear that about these warrior Christians and, you know, they keep doing this and I've seen the life of the Apostle Paul. I don't, I don't want all that heartache and headache in my life. I, I'd rather just sit and just be lukewarm. I know, I know I might get spewed out of God's mouth because it says that too, but it's just easier to be lukewarm so I don't have to take any chances. Well, that's a, that's a lot. That's just a deception lie. You will give more authority by not being obedient when God's told you to do something. You're not avoiding trials. Some people think they'll actually avoid heartache and trials. You actually will just say, okay, my disobedience says I'm not going to obey God, so enemy can just walk right in. 
And so really you're just you're getting a different backdoor form of trials in your life. So always, always moving forward. One of the points when you were talking, I was seeing the children of Israel. Here they left Egypt and they're facing the Red Sea or facing the, the you know, the Red Sea with, with it was on either side. They were just completely compacted in thinking, okay, I can either go backwards into slavery and torture and horrible treatment or I can go forward into complete, I've never been here before, these waters are going to swallow us up, we got nothing. And sometimes that's what we we're faced with. But it's never, ever an option to go back into slavery. It's never an option to go backwards and, and into that torment. It might look like going forwards, but you can't stand still because the armies were coming against him. So no matter what, going forward. So even if you are faced with this, I am faced with this, with this ladies retreat. Um, in fact, it's interesting. As I say the words, it's hard for me because this year, it's actually not a retreat. A retreat is when you retreat away from something and you go somewhere. We're not going anywhere. <laughs> We're going to have it here in Newark. And so it's actually more of a ladies conference. And uh, so even changing the verbiage, I, I thought, okay, Lord, I, you've told me nothing. But as I'm stepping forward, He's just told me time and time again, look, what have you got to lose? You've asked me to strengthen your faith. The only way, he's, in almost every area of my life, he has challenged and tested my faith. Certainly with getting us started here, testing our faith of finances. He's tested relationship uh, issues, people that have turned their backs on us from starting this, that, that for whatever reason think a whole list of things with what's wrong with us for having started this, uh, who don't speak to us. And we went through those challenges. And then something that's been a constant six, seven years doing a, a women's retreat, having a team, and he stripped all of that away. I'm going to test your faith in, in another area, in another area where you've always been sure of yourself. But every time he has stripped something away, it is only so that he can show up and reveal something better and bigger and more awesome. You know, when you want the blessing, remember, faith is a muscle. And I don't know if any of you have ever tried to strengthen a muscle. I had my seniors yesterday morning doing some squats. And, and I, you know, I thought, you know, the more they do those, it's miserable sometimes to start working a muscle. And then you go through the sore period where all the lactic acid builds up and you're like, why did I do this? I, I can't even move. But then you, you know, you drink a lot of water, you flush it out, you get rest and it rebuilds. When you go to do a new activity and you're like, oh my goodness, I'm strong. Oh my goodness, my, there's strength. This is now, this is fun. This is awesome. I, I like this now. I like this activity that was hard that I couldn't do before because now my muscles are strong. Didn't like the preparation so much, but I'm loving the result. And I feel like that's where I'm getting with faith. Um, it's, it's easy to speak of it than it is to go through it. But that is the benefit. So it's always better to move forward. Never retreat because of the trials that you may face or because of the target, so to speak. It's just always better to go forward. And so he has said we're going to do this retreat. And um, anybody that doesn't have a copy of that, um, I, I wanted to give you a, downstairs the ladies' class, the, the sheet that I gave you, it's a letter that I wrote. If you have that, then take it. But um, those of you that didn't get it, um, I 